Welcome to PCA One-on-One, Positive Coaching Alliance's podcast series where we talk with leading experts about how to develop better athletes, better people through sports. And now here's your host, Jim Thompson, PCA founder and CEO. Really excited to have Charlie Marr, the sports psychologist for the Cleveland Indians, with us today for the PCA one-on-one interview. Charlie, uh, in addition to working with the Indians as their sports psychologist and director of psychological services, he's also worked with the Cavaliers, the New York Rangers, uh, Rutgers football and basketball teams. Um, He is a... um, Professor Emeritus of Psychology at Rutgers University. Uh, you know, this is something uh, I really like, Charlie. You began your professional career as a teacher of emotionally disturbed adolescents. Uh, That's true. I actually, I actually started my my first job was working with emotionally disturbed grade school kids. Maybe that's why yeah. we get along so well. Um, he's on the board of editors of many scientific journals, including the Journal of Quantitative Analysis in Sport and the Journal of Clinical Sports Psychology. Um, he is, uh, 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 he's written a book called The Complete Mental Game of Baseball, Taking Charge of the Process on and Off the Field, which is one of the very best. I've read a lot of coaching books, a lot of sports psychology books. This is one of the very best books out there, and I highly recommend it for any coach or athlete. Um, and and it, it's about baseball, but it can apply to any other sport. And lastly, let me just say that he's a member of our National Advisory Board, he came uh, last summer, summer of 2013, and spent a day with us with our, all of our trainers from around the country at our Trainer Institute and gave them the benefit of his wisdom and just recently attended our National Youth Sports Awards dinner uh, that happened in Palo Alto uh, in April. So, Charlie, uh, it's great to have you here, and thank you for all your support of Positive Coaching Alliance. Yeah, yeah I'm glad to be here. and You know, the conference the other night uh, great. And uh, I'm really glad to be part of the, the PCA group and, and your initiatives and where you're going. So um, I picked up something this time in your bio that I hadn't picked up before, and that is the second half of your title, your sports psychologist and director of psychological services. It seems right. to me that, that professional athletes have always needed psychological services, but that was the kind of thing you didn't talk about. It was kind of in the closet. It was kind of shameful if you fe- if somebody felt they needed psychological services, but you actually put it right out there. Yeah, that's right, uh, Jim. Uh, you know, it's you know traditionally you know athletics uh, perceived by many people uh, a long time ago as an in quotes macho type of sport where uh, you know you just suck it up and you you you, you just get the job done and you know. Well, that's uh, that's a thing of the past, and uh, today's current athlete, including you know the professional athletes, um, they have a different mindset. They have a mindset about they have to deal with themselves, not only on the field, off the field. Uh, they have people to have to have to care for, such as their family. There are people who care about them, and they want to stay not only physically fit but mentally fit. So we put it out there, and unfortunately, over the years, we've had that um, total, total athlete, better athlete, better person, which you have in PCA, something that we think very highly of, and uh, so we put that right out there. Yeah. Um, you know, your book, um, The Complete Mental Game of Baseball, 
I want to focus on the second part of the title, taking charge of the process. Um, what, what do you what do you do when, with the players you work with? What do you talk to them about before the game, during the game, after the game? How to manage uh, uh, the mental game of baseball? You know, Fred, we start off with you know making sure that they they're involved in the game, and to be involved in the game, you need to be then be involved in the process. And the process has three major time frames or or, or areas uh, before the game. The process involves developing a way of preparation. We call it preparing in a quality way, quality preparation, Uh, leaving no stone unturned, working hard, dedicated practice, but also very, very smart. So during that time frame, we want our players and staff, by the way, coaches, to have a, a routine, have a way to get themselves ready to compete mentally, emotionally, and physically. And then during the game, which is the second major time frame, is hopefully they can take that preparation into the game, but most importantly, be able to stay in the moment. So the process there involves being able to to take it one pitch at a time, one play at a time, one inning at a time, and not get get ahead of themselves, but to stay in the moment and deal with that, deal with what's there in front of them, and, and, and and in that process, enjoy it. And the third time frame is uh, after the game. Uh, we call it being learning to be an accurate self-evaluator, to be able to separate out yourself as a person and your identity as a person from your performance and looking at your performance in a way that, um, you know, recognizing what you did well, what you did not do well, how you can continue to improve and get better through effort and energy. So that's that's what we mean by the process. And uh, essentially, in that regard, myself and the coaches, we see ourselves as educators, educating players about the process before, during, and after, and then being help and guide them and get them to the point where they can know, like be their best sports psychologists themselves in, in those time time frames. You know, at the at our awards dinner uh, Saturday night, three days ago now, uh, or two days ago actually, um, I mentioned to the, you know when I was speaking to the the almost 500 people who were at the dinner um, that one of the things Positive Coaching Alliance does is we get research from sports psychology and the best practices of great coaches. And I mentioned what you had, had told us about um, elite athletes. If you're going to be a major leaguer, you need to be a good separator. Um, you know, and right. you just said it, separating your sense of worth from your from your performance. Um, you got a great statement you tell players about baseball. Uh, could you share that with us? Yeah, you know, again, we, we, because we're committed to the total player, we want to and, and their development on and off the field. We want to make sure that our players recognize that baseball is what they do. That's their profession. That's their line of work. However. It is not who they are. Who they are transcends any one game or any one season or any one statistic or any one award. And so baseball is what you do, but it's not who you are. And uh, because if, if, if you don't have that kind of attitude and personal orientation, uh, the game itself can be very, very humbling and 
uh, it could could become like very very negative, and that negativity could very very easily get get over leak over into the rest of their life, and that has an effect on a lot of people, the people they love, the, the people who are counting on them, so forth. So we call again being a good separator is very very important. So we believe there's skills that players can learn and apply in order for for them to be that way. You know, you mentioned negativity, and I just, I mean, there's there's a, a lot of research that says make negativity is not a good thing. Uh, you know, it, it takes you out of the moment, and, um, you know, it's, it's really hard to excel when you're in an environment where you're getting a lot of negativity. Why do you think there is so much negativity in sports? Well, because sports, you know, at, at, any, at any level, if you allow it, it can become a, almost a game of failure because anybody playing sports, from rec league up to, to professionals and Olympic, everyone, including staff and coaches, are going to fail. They're not going to be able to succeed every time. They're not going to be able to make solid contact with the ball. They're not going to be able to turn that double play or make that, that pitch or, or that catch. And, and therefore, because of that, that fact that you you will fail and you're possibly going to fail more than you succeed, that has to be not only acknowledged, that has to be almost like embraced. That's part of the game. That's part of life. People people go on in life and they start businesses and they have to adjust the business or the business may fail or they may have to go into another one. So we, we see that again as, uh, you know, to, to watch out for that. You have to have be very, very strong about yourself as a person, and as you aptly put, you, you want them to be a better person. If they can become a better person, then they're going to be a better athlete. That doesn't mean they're going to be a Hall of Famer. They're going to win the all the um, all state award or whatever. But it will be much more satisfying, and then as a result, uh, they will be much more positive. That player about keeping going, playing the game. So whether you're a player, whether you're a coach supporting a player, whether you're a parent who's trying to give their their child the best opportunity, they have to watch out for that creeping negativity that can very easily set in once you start looking at pride, the prizes, once you start looking at recognition, once you start looking at uh, numbers. Once you start looking at the media, guarantee negativity is going to set in. The game's going to be affected, and then, unfortunately, aspects of your life may also. Yeah, you know, um, you, you said something earlier too that really struck me that the Indians are committed to the total player. Let me tell you a story. Um, David Shapiro, who you know, uh, who's our chief revenue officer at Positive yes. Coaching Alliance was down in at spring training um, recently, and uh, he happened to be sitting by Nick Swisher, uh, you know, the Indians' first baseman and his, his right. family. And uh, they started talking, and David, you know, told them about PCA and that, you know, our, our close relationship with, with you and Mark Shapiro. And Nick said, he, he just, just raved, he said, this is, and he's been in, with a lot of teams, he said, this is the best organization I've ever been with. They, people really care about each other. Uh, what, what makes the Indians' culture special, in your, in your opinion? 
Uh, I think it starts with the top, with, with the, our, our president and former GM, Mark Shapiro, no relation to David, but the very close association. It starts at the top with, with our, uh, or what we call our vision and our values, that what we want to do is to set the conditions, and, and the organization wants to set the conditions so people can grow, develop, get better, uh, deal with failure, uh, collaborate. So it's very, very, we have a very, very open type of culture and an environment, and uh, that sets the tone. And then that allows people in the organization to be ready to uh, take risks, uh, be ready to fail, and to be ready to get feedback uh, about that, be ready to help other people. So generally it starts what we, we or our values, and that's what we value. We value people. And, and it gets back to what I just said before, baseball is more, uh, than, uh, you know, numbers. And when somebody starts reducing baseball to, to numbers or uh, mechanics, um, it, it becomes a very unhappy place for everybody. So we, we try to be consistent on what we, what we preach, and then we carry that out into action. And, and more often than not, as the example you gave with Nick, it, it, uh, it rubs off on the players. You know, you said something just a minute ago about willingness to take feedback, um, and it seems that that links back to the idea of positivity versus negativity. If there's a lot of negativity around people, it seems like people close themselves off from feedback because they don't want to hear all that negative stuff. And it seems That's like right. when, you, when you create a positive culture like the Indians have, then people, you know, give me some feedback here. Yeah, yeah, the feedback, you know, for any feedback you get, whether it's verbal feedback from a coach or a manager or feedback you get because you threw a pitch and somebody hit a home run or any other kind of feedback you may get in terms of a report. I mean, those are things that, again, are part of the game, part of the process. And if they're seen that way, then that feedback can be used for your growth and development, whether it's feedback that says, hey, you didn't meet certain expectations tonight, or feedback say, hey, you did, you exceeded expectations. So, you, again, you, you, get, you take the feedback and you consider it as part of the process, not as threat or not as something that is ego-building, and that makes me better than the next person, or it's a threat and therefore I have to hide it and I have to start pointing fingers, and that's why that why, why a certain uh, performance happened. Was the umpire? Was the weather? Uh, my parent got me to the game late. You know all those kinds of things. So it, feed, feed, I have found Jim that working with professional athletes, who are now 27, 27 years somewhere around there, uh, that's one of the most challenging and the most difficult thing for a professional athlete to be able to accept feedback, not be threatened by it, uh, not be deluded by it, and then on the other side, and you know, getting a big head. So, again, it gets back to our notion of separation and, and not, again, also the idea of not getting too high and not getting too low and, uh, you know, keep going. Because you know, any, any player playing the game now at any level, if they were to stop or, unfortunately, they had to stop playing – or something along that line, the game is going to continue without them. So let's look at that as uh, a reality, but now immerse yourself in the game. If you immerse yourself in this 
game of sport, then you're immersing yourself in life it's because it's part of life. Uh, it's an extension of the, cl the classroom. As some of your national award winners mentioned the other night, which I thought was great, that playing on the field is a real extension of the classroom. It's an extension of learning. It's an extension of education. Yeah, you know, you mentioned uh, feedback, and we, we tell coaches in our workshop that uh, you can give the best, you know, the most accurate feedback in the world if the player doesn't accept it and internalize it, it's not going to do any good. So we talk about giving receivable feedback, feedback that mm -hmm. and that's why uh, you've probably heard us talk about the magic ratio, five positives for every criticism, um, that yeah. when, when kids get noticed for the things they they do well, then when you have to have a hard conversation with them, you have to give them some you know, feedback, here's some things you need to change. They're much more open to that. And I would assume it's the same with professional athletes who are adults as, as well as with, with kids. Yeah, yeah, they, they, have to, uh, they have to learn how to, how to take uh, that feedback, to recognize it for what it is, and use it. And then the staff, the coaches, the managers have to do the same thing. They have to give feedback that's, that's specific, that's relevant, that's positive, and when they, they're giving feedback that is constructive in terms of helping the player get better, it has to be very, very specific. So it has to be, you know, talking about something that they can change in terms of their behaviors, not talking about them as people. Again, getting back to that same thing. The person is above the game. How do you improve the game? You improve the game with, with feedback. That feedback should be specific. It should be sincere, and it should be positive. And when it's not so po needs po positive, then it has to, you have to construct the situation so it can be recognized by the player. Player doesn't see it as a threat. Uh, and also, then the coach has to take their own need out of the equation itself. So what you've done with PCA is tremendous, and in terms of not only bringing that five-one ratio, but more importantly keeping that kind of notion of feedback and the use of feedback right out there for players, staff, and parents. You know, the, that's your statement earlier about the, the Indians being committed to the total player uh, and then Nick Swisher saying this is, you know, I'm just so glad to be with the Indians because it's such a positive place. Kevin Compton, who's also on our national advisory board with you, Charlie, he was the former owner of the San Jose Sharks, the uh, National Hockey League team, right. and he told me about when they when they were recruiting Todd McClellan to become the coach. Um, McClellan told him the reason he came to San Jose was because when they interviewed him, they asked about his family, and they really seemed to care about him as a person. It wasn't just like how many victories can you get us, and you know, uh, and that really that really spoke to him that this is an organization, the Sharks, the organization that cares about me as a person. That just seems like a really powerful message. Yeah, yeah, because what, he's, what he most likely saw is, I, I want to be part of this culture. I want to be part of uh, a group of people who are uh, in the game and play the game, but, but, but they're above, above that game. Uh, so, again, uh, you know, it's a matter of uh, being in organizations that have that and organizations that don't. The matter of transforming that kind of organization into something that's that has that kind of culture, like your notion of the development zone 
falls right in that. Uh, your notion of development zone has been useful for me uh, and work in my work as a way of framing some of the things we're doing with, uh, with our own players and staff. Wow, Charlie, that's really that, that's that's a real pain filler because I feel like we've learned so much from you about setting goals and mental game and you know if, mm-hmm. when when you say you learn something from us that's just uh, that's really wonderful yeah. it, and, and it really does fit the development zone is about better athletes, better people, and that's what you're saying. That's you're right. To the total yeah, that's a great, on that's a great concept. It's a great so, concept because it's again it's about development of growth development. Nothing's fixed. Nothing's chiseled in stone. Uh, things don't work out. You can get better. You can get better through your energy, through your effort. Uh, and, and, again, that energy and effort also applies to the coaches and the parents and the people who support them. That's, let's talk a little bit about the mental game. You said, you know, before the game, you get this preparation, this routine. After the game, you want to be an accurate self-evaluator, and we'll come back to that. But in the game, staying in the moment, how do you stay in the moment? I mean, it's, uh, you know, yeah. I, was at a, I was at a conference last week, and it was at the Stanford Business School, very high-tech uh, auditorium. And a lot of places you go now, they want you to tweet and post to Facebook while the conference is going on. And they had up on the screen different tweets that people were doing. So somebody would tweet about a speaker, and I just found it incredibly distracting. Like Instead of trying to listen to the speaker, every few seconds there would be another tweet on the screen. Our, Our... our whole environment, including you know baseball stadiums and NBA arenas, et cetera, it seems to be designed to take you out of the moment. Yes, it's very, very, very easy for that to happen, especially at the you know, major league level with all of the stuff on the scoreboard and uh, pitch counts and uh, you know velocity of the pitches. And again, to stay in the moment, it, 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 we, we you the preparation that somebody has allows them to get them into the moment because the preparation even between pitches uh, allows you to take away all the distractions and let those things go. You don't fight them. You, you, you allow those things to happen, but they just pass through you. So you, you're in the batter's box, the pitch comes in, an uh, inside pitch, the pitcher brushes your back. All right, between pitches, you step back. You do something that's very, very important, very, very cheap, though, very, very effective. It's called taking a deep breath. You learn to do that. You take a deep breath. You let go of what any, any emotion you have. So you get back into the batter's box. Now well, all you have is yourself, and you're out there. There's a pitcher, but you don't want to personalize who that individual is. You have, you, you have somebody who's going to throw a ball, so the focus is now on the ball and making solid contact with the ball. So we have uh, an acronym that we use for that, MAC. And M stands for for mindfulness, keeping your mind in the moment and letting go of things. A has to do with accepting the situation. So a pitcher may have had two outs, no men on base. Now, three, three minutes later, there's still two outs, but he's got two men on base and the left-handed hitter coming up. So you've got to accept that. You have to, that's the situation that's out there. If you start thinking about the situation, uh, and, and it gets, can be very, very negative. So accepting the situation, whatever it is, 
and then C, then his committing to the pitch. The pitch is what only thing that you can deal with at that moment, and you, you deal with it. So uh, what that looks like for a player is, is to uh, stay in the moment, you relax. Accept the situation, gather yourself with, with your breathing. We, we, we emphasize that so much, the breathing, the importance of a real good diaphragmatic breathing, deep breathing. And in committed, you let it go. Uh, we, we try to encourage our players to get to the point they are, if they can remain calm on the inside through staying in the moment, breathing, and so forth, uh, they're going to be able to be aggressive on the outside. But if they're not calm on the inside because they're thinking about the last play, what the umpire said, they're thinking about uh, what their friends think of them who sit or are sitting in the stands, or their parent, you know, all this kind of uh, stuff that can be very easily uh, distractible. Uh, they're not going to be in the moment, and as a result, they, they really put themselves behind the eight ball. They put themselves in the situation where it's not the pitcher who's getting them out; they're getting themselves out. I, I just read a um, uh, an article about uh, Doc Rivers with the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers, and he was working with a player who was. Had a lot of talent, but uh, uh, no buts. A lot of talent and very emotional young young kid. And, and uh, he said, "You can't get hijacked by the game." And uh, I know you've talked about sometimes sometimes your attention gets hijacked if you if you can't accept. I, I love that Mac uh, M A C mindfulness. Uh, accept the situation and commit to the pitch. So accepting a situation. Right. If you can't accept the situation, like you're upset because it was a bad call, for example, um, mm-hmm. then your attention gets hijacked by that. You also That's talked right. once about uh, yeah, and, 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 I, 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 I call that emotional hi- just like Doc, emotional hijacking. You're taking yourself out of the game. You're, you know, in, in a more psychology language, your focus is lost. Your composure is lost. You also used the term uh, recently when I was talking to you about um, our attention drifting away. So it's not always hijacked; it kind of drifts away. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, anyone's any human being's mind is about six to seven seconds, which they can keep their attention on one thing, and there's a natural drift of the mind. Your mind will drift to something else, something in the past that happened, something in the future that might might likely happen. And as a result, when you're in, in competing, when you're in the batter's box, you're on the foul line, you're, you're making a second serve in tennis, whatever it might be, psychologically, that's why you, the, the athlete needs to be able to watch out for to recognize when their mind starts to drift and then bring it back. Again, you bring it back with breathing. You bring it back with some kind of routine that you might have between pitches or between serves. And then you don't fight it because once you start fighting that drift, once you start fighting the drift, your energy is on the drift, and that's that's what takes you out of the game or hijacks you. So again, in terms of being mindful, uh, we tell let's not fight it. If thought comes in your head, just let it go. Let it go right through you. Let it run down the river. Whatever you want, whatever uh, you know, kind of situation you want to use. And uh, that takes again. That's that's something. Jim, as you know, it, 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 it takes practice. It doesn't happen overnight. Uh, just de- learning how to breathe deeply is something that takes practice. 
learning how to stay mindful, stay in the moment, take practice. We have many of our players, both in the minor league and the major league, also use yoga as a way of uh, maybe, yes, increasing flexibility, but a way of training the mind because of just being able to, to deal with the situation and let things go. And uh, anything, again, it takes practice. If you want to be good mentally, you have to practice. You have to represent visualization, being able to see yourself doing well in terms of the process of the game, making solid contact with the ball, uh, following through, playing with energy and effort. Not the numbers, not the results, because the numbers are going to go up. They're going to go down. There's always going to be variability in numbers, just like the stock market or, or anything else. And once you start hanging on the numbers, once that's your focus, uh, you've done yourself a disservice as an athlete, and you're going to be uh, limiting your chances to do well, and you won't be able to leverage what you have that's going for you, which is uh, your mind and your body in, in harmony, working together, focusing on the process. You know, Charlie, I've been, uh, for the last couple of years, I've been uh, practicing, and practicing is the right word, <laughs> practicing mindfulness meditation. <laughs> and one of the things uh, I, I read over and over again and hear over and over again, that when you notice your mind drifting away, like I, I focus on my breathing when I'm doing it, and, I've, and uh, <laughs> that very often you get negative. It's like, oh, man. I'm just terrible at this, you know. I can't, and, uh, and that negativity um, that makes it just all the harder to be in the moment. That's right, because when when that happens, and and I I practice mindfulness meditation too, and I find that that happens to myself, and it happens later. Says you're you're again you're going to the result, the outcome. I have to do it right. There's a perfect way of doing it. Well, there is no perfect way. If you if if you, your mind gets out of the moment, then it gets out of the moment. Just bring it back. And let's go, and let's get that. But if some, again, it all gets back to thinking about things that are out of your control. You or I or a player or anybody cannot control where their mind goes. We can, we can certainly react to that and deal with that constructively and positively. And the more we can do that, the more we'll be able to recognize to become more aware, and the more, more we'll be able to uh, stay in a moment longer, but never perfectly. So, uh, I, we, we, yeah, that's always something. That, sorry, that's one of the fun parts of uh, I found with things like mindfulness meditation, and some players have told me, it's being able to recognize that, recognize it quickly, recognize the drift, and then just get yourself into the moment. And if you do that right, work on it, then over time it becomes very, very routine. So when you're out on the field, in, in you know, whatever, the quarterback just threw a bad pass, uh, you, can, you can very easily let that go, and you're doing it almost automatically. But it'll never be perfect. I, I uh, one uh, meditation teacher used the example of when you notice that your mind has drifted away from either your mantra or your your breath, whatever it is you're focused on, that you bring your attention back. And the, the phrase he used, I love, it was as gently as a drop of dew falling onto a Kleenex. It's just like very yeah, softly. Right. No, no. oh, man, I'm so terrible, none of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, let that's me go to the – yeah, oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, because that's exactly – when somebody starts doing that, 
They're, they're doing what we call beating yourself up. I'm terrible. I, I haven't done it right. And then you get agitated. But what your, your instructor said is just let it go. And then, you know, let's get back. Stay at peace with yourself inside. And then we, and then we move on because you're now, in, now we're into the next moment. Let's. Uh, we've been jumping around here. Uh, the second part of the, your, you know, before, during, and after. The game. Let's go to the mm-hmm. preparation for the game. Um, you once said to me, um, the you, you talked about a slow burn, uh, a r- routine leading to a slow burn. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, g- getting ready to compete for a game takes time, and uh, you have to. It's almost like you do as a a candle, you know. A, candle or a piece of dynamite, you start slow. You, you get ready, you come to the ballpark. When you come to the ballpark or the arena, you, for that time frame, before the, you have to let go of things that are not going to be important for that game. That might mean things at home. Might, maybe you put your homework on the side. We call that mentally parking, letting those things go. Uh, and now you're in the ballpark. Now, at some point, when you come to the arena or the ballpark, you, now the athlete, puts on their, a role of, a, of an athlete. He or she now becomes the athlete. And to be an athlete, you have to do the things an athlete does. And that means get ready for the game. So you have to have a plan. You have to have a way of getting ready for the game so that you keep yourself calm. But as you prepare for the game, you can visualize things that's the v we have called vak that's another one of our acronyms. we have a lot of acronyms in cleveland but the vak is the being able to visualize yourself uh performing performing well following through a is auditory being able to talk with other people to get ready for the game as a pitcher that might be talking with it is talking with the catcher talking with the pitching coach reviewing your upcoming lineups uh, seeing what kind of adjustments they need, need to make in terms of who they'll be facing. And the K is the kinesthetic. Kinesthetic has to do with getting ready physically, making sure you have a good batting practice, good fielding practice. And then all this builds up to the game. So when you go out to play the game, you're ready. You're not cheering and you're not uh, spouting off any kind of uh, you know sayings or something, but you're ready. So it's a slow burn. But to do that, the athlete has to be able to step back and say, hey, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get ready to compete. How am I going to do that? I'm going to let certain things go. I'm going to mentally park those. I'm going to put on the role of an athlete. I'm going to do, I'm going to do things in a very quality way. I'm going to visualize. I'm going to talk to other people, the A. I'm going to go out there and, and get ready physically. I'm not going to go through the motions. I'm not going to be talking to my friends in the stands or things like that. I'm going to spend that time. So when, you, when your game starts, when the bell goes off, the whistle blows, uh, you're ready to go. You know, um, the, um, uh, I, I, I happened to be watching um, baseball tonight, I think it was, a year ago, um, when uh, Terry Francona, who was one of the, the announcers there, commentators, whatever, um, when it was announced that that he was going to become the the Indians manager, and his um, you know, his uh, other folks who were uh, on that show 
were asking, you know, you know, why are you going to Cleveland? And he said, there's only two places I'd want to be. One is right here doing this job. We're going to Cleveland. And he, he mentioned Mark Shapiro. And, and um, who, who's your, your GM? Chris Antonetti. Yeah, he, he mentioned both of those, uh, Chris and, and, and uh, Mark, as, as being people he really wanted to work with. And, and I know Mark Shapiro has told me that he feels like Terry Francona is one of the most positive managers in, the whole, in whole, all of baseball. And you yep. had a pretty good year last year, uh, which was uh, mm-hmm. Terry Francona, Francona's first year as a manager. Uh, how, how, did that, how did that year uh, evolve from your standpoint? Yeah, first of all, with, with, with Terry Francona, or Tito is what we, we, that's what he's called in the clubhouse. And Tito's a I very, remember his very, dad, T, uh, Tito Francona, when I was a kid. He was a, right, yep. right, right. And, and Tito's a very, very positive guy, but he's a positive guy because he has a very, very good handle on himself as a person. He has a very, very good handle on the fact that he is not above the game, even though he's won two World Series and he's had all kinds of awards and has been in the, in the game for a long time, he can recognize that. He's he's a very good sense of humility. And most importantly, he's very, very sensitive and enjoys doing what he's doing. He enjoys focused dealing with the process of the game, getting ready, helping players, communicating with players. Uh, uh, giving feedback to players in a specific way, positive and also constructive kinds of feedback. And and what he does, what Tito does is for a game, let's say it's a 7 o'clock game at night, uh, he will be at the ballpark because he maybe 10, 10.30 in the morning. And during that time, he'll take care of all of the things, he, he his own preparation. He'll take care of all of the things he needs to do, responding to people, fan mail, doing media kind of appearances, uh, getting the lineup ready, all those kinds of things, so that when the players start coming to the, to the clubhouse, typically around 2.30, 2, uh, 2.30, 2 o'clock, 3 for that 7 o'clock game, he can now devote his time to relationships with the players. Yeah. And, and so, so to him, relationships is very, very important. He has... Uh, as Joe Ehrman mentioned the other night, and I agree totally, that he, he wants to win. He has goals. He wants to perform very, very well. But his notion of a team, mean Tito's, is people who have very, very solid relationships with one another. So as a result of that, over the course of the year, he did not have to do anything special to get those players to buy into that because the players had initial respect for him. The players then also saw him and his preparation. He saw, they saw him relate to them in a very, very sincere way, not in some standoffish kind of way. And, you know, most athletes will recognize in sincerity uh, in, a, in a heartbeat. And these players recognize sincerity and they all just banded together, and he supported them. They supported him through the good and the bad because we had our bad, bad runs during the season just like anybody else. And that's, that's essentially how that team developed. And, uh, you know, when a game is on the line, uh, it was nine people who were on the line plus the bench, not the one person on the, on the, on the, the batter's box who were on the mound. And as a result, the – Leadership 
from the players. We had some players who were very, very experienced on that team, but the leadership evolved, and it was a, a natural form of leadership, a type of leadership where it was always collaborative, and there, there were no, uh, there, there were really no problems. Now, hopefully, and I expect we'll be continuing that this year. But like anything else, we'll have our ups and downs this year, too. Yeah. You know, you talk about uh, Tito Francona's um, – uh, it's hard for me to call him Tito because his dad was Tito to me, but yeah. <laughs> I understand yeah, his right, name. Right. Uh, his his yeah. preparation before the game. And uh, when I was coaching high school girls basketball, I just uh, it just tore me up when, when we would lose and, and I would uh, – you know, I'd, I'd be so nervous before a game, and and my wife said to me because I was I, I introduced visualization to my players, and initially they were kind of uh, you know giggly about it, but they got into it so deeply, and they they uh, it really helped them uh, perform well, and we ended up winning time for the, our league championship. But my wife said something to me. She said. When you're pre- preparing for the game, I was thinking about you know who's going to play what and you know, defense and offense, all that stuff. She said, "Why don't you visualize yourself? Why don't you imagine what your players need from you and visualize yourself giving them what they need?" And it just transformed the way I thought about a basketball game. Rather than you know I got to pull all these uh, levers, it was like, "What do my players need from me?" A lot of the times, what they need from me is for me to say, "Hey, I believe in you. You can do it." Yeah, yeah, and, and that's why I, I look at Terry Francona, our current manager, as I, I see him more as the principal of the school. Jim, he's an educator, he, and and he has he wants to he wants to recognize that his students are there. Uh, he's there because of them, and uh, he works with them. He's a he's a good he, he'd be a good salesperson because he can recognize the needs of the customer here is student, and that's what he does. And I think any good manager or coach at any level uh, is, in essence, is among other things, they're an educator. They're an instructor, yep. educating, learning yep. about yep. people. And, and I, I just want to make one point about that or before, during, and after, although I made it so much, is that the uh, same applies to the coaches. We have a, a professional self-management checklist that we use with our managers and coaches in major and minor league is for them to learn how they need to prepare as a coach, how they need to be able to stay in the moment during the games and how they need to talk to people, including players and not get emotionally hijacked themselves during the game. And then following the game, being able to be an accurate self-evaluative of their own coaching or management performance. So that framework applies uh, to, to those people also. Uh, as well as the players. Yeah, I got uh, you know one of my favorites uh, at, at our uh, all staff meeting leading up to the the awards dinner that you were at. Um, we got into a discussion with some of our staff about you know the top five sports movies ever, and and uh, got a you know certainly in the top ten for me is is Major League, which was. Based in Cleveland with the Indians and Charlie right, Sheen, right. <laughs> this this wild and not only wild pitcher, they called him Wild Thing, and he comes walking out with the the song Wild Thing, uh, playing. Just I mean, it's a fabulous movie. Anybody who's listening to this who hasn't seen Major League, uh, man, you got to go watch it. Um, yeah. What's it? What do you? How do you deal with a closer? 
versus a regular pitcher versus a position player, a hitter. Uh, are there different? Uh, is it just? It seems like closers often have idiosyncrasies that other players don't. Yeah, closers are just type type of players who uh, pitchers who, because of many reasons, are are never going to be a uh, a starter. And you're never going to be able to pitch maybe three or four innings at a time. Well, it's possible. Most of them can't. So they just have some idiosyncrasies about themselves in terms of getting ready for the game and getting ready for their appearance. And it happens very quickly. And so what they're doing many times is if you've noticed a closure in their body language or tugging at the cap and, uh, you know, that or, you know, uh, rubbing up the baseball, typically it's just a way of them just relaxing and keeping them again, keeping themselves calm on the inside, so that when they deliver a pitch, they can be very, very aggressive and go after the hitter and attack the hitter and move the ball around. And closers, so, so therefore, might look like they're all agitated and really upset outwardly, but in, in terms of body language, but inside, they're, most of them are very, 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 very calm and they can go after somebody. And mo- most importantly, about a closer is that they're able to let the last, they're excellent at letting the last pitch go or letting the last outing go. Last night, uh, our closer, uh, uh, the Chicago uh, player hit a walk-off home run. He will be out to guarantee. He will be out there tonight, and he will have been the peace with himself. He'll be able to have gotten that uh, walk-off home run out of the system, and he will be right back in a moment and letting the job done. So there, it's an, there's an interesting type of group because they have to do things very quickly and over a very short period of time, and they can't let themselves get in the way of themselves. So most closers, when you see all this outside stuff that they do, it's just their way of letting, letting things go. So, okay, now I'm ready. Interesting. Yeah, I love the phrase, calm on the inside, aggressive on the outside. And, yeah. you know, a, a phrase that I got from you that I've used, I, I, I use it almost every day, is mind in the moment. Uh, you yeah. know, and, you know, your, your point about uh, an athlete who can keep his mind in the moment, bring her mind back to the moment, that's the same in, yeah. in, in anything in life. L- last anything. question for you. And rec- recognizing drift, uh, again, being yeah. aware, being skilled enough to recognize when it gets out of the moment. Because if you don't, it's very quickly you can be out in a moment and you can be doing something you don't want to do or saying something you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, last question. Um, youth coaches, youth parents, um, what advice do you have for uh, – well, let's, let's focus on parents, shall we say, many of whom are coaching their kids too, but what advice do you have right. for parents uh, whose kids are playing baseball or some other sport um, to help their kids have a great experience with sports? I, I would say to most parents, and, and also, Jim, I've, I've been a parent. I've been a former Little League coach and all of that, Pop Warner, all of the sports, too. So I, I could put myself in their place, too. But my advice is make sure that your son or your daughter are enjoying the process of the game, that they're out there because they want to be out there, and they're learning, they're developing. And if they're getting feedback from you, meaning the parent, uh, in a very specific and in constructive way, praise and, and reinforce energy, effort, uh, determination, downplay numbers, awards, uh, all of those kinds of things, which are essentially fleeting 
and which are uh, distracting. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Uh, Charlie, thank you. This has been a fantastic uh, podcast interview. It's going to do a lot of good for the coaches, parents, athletes, and everybody who out there who listens to it. Uh, and, I, again, I want to thank you for your commitment to the yeah, Positive Booking Alliance movement. Uh, it's really great yeah. to, uh, to have you on on our team. Yeah, I really, and I'm really glad to be part of it, Jim. Thanks for your time. Okay, well, go Indians. Thanks for joining us on this episode of PCA One-on-One. Be sure to visit PositiveCoach.org to download more podcasts.